First of all, thanks for all the cooks for the wonderful meal that we had this afternoon, for all the ladies that put that together. And I say ladies, because usually if a man cooks, he lets everybody know that he did it. And so, (laughs) since no men stepped forward and said, I made that. Although that meat, I'm going to be prejudiced here, looked like it was smoked by a man. It was very good. And uh, just thankful for the great meal and for the fellowship and for the encouragement. Just being together. This is an oasis for us as Christians right here. I mean, we're going to... Well, most of us will leave tomorrow. You got to go to work. You got to probably be around people that you don't want to be around. Have to deal with people and things that you don't want to have to deal with. But to be able to just come together and experience a common faith and a common love and a common devotion is so refreshing. And uh, hopefully, we're all receiving encouragement by just being together and uh, experiencing this time. This afternoon, for a little while, maybe I have a PowerPoint. <laughs> Keep talking. Keep talking. Okay, I can do that. This afternoon for a little while, we want to study concerning living in this present world. Now, this morning we talked about some terrible things, and I know that it was kind of a bummer of a lesson. But it's necessary for us to appreciate the godly wisdom and the, uh, the direction that the Scriptures give us to really appreciate it whenever we understand the world that we're living in. Thank you. And so whenever we look at, and as we're going to study this afternoon from Titus chapter 2, living in this present world, I hope that whenever we see the statement present world, that it has a different meaning to you now after what we talked about this morning. That doesn't just mean living in the times that we're living in. No, it means living in the jungle that we're living in. Living in these times where we know that Satan and all of his forces, all of those who are, we good, and the principalities and the powers and the, and the rulers of spiritual darkness in high places, all of those forces that are arrayed against you, against me, against all of these young folks that are sitting here, seeking because of its evil, polluted, corrupt nature to destroy all of us. And again, that's not good news. But it's not a matter of good news, bad news, is what's the reality? And that's the reality. You know, sometimes we can love good news so much that we don't really embrace the reality of something. But that's the reality of the world that we live in. And so we're going to look this afternoon at Titus chapter 2 at some principles, kind of a framework for living in this present world. And whenever I say framework, there's a lot of different specific actions that we can do. But in principle, this is the approach that we should take towards the present world that we live in. That this is the foundation from which we begin to develop our, our, our plans to not sin and our plans to be holy and, and be a godly people. In Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, "...the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we could live soberly, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world." Now, we're going to spend primarily all of our time during this study in this text because this text is rich in information that will help us to live in this present world. The first thing that we want to notice is that the grace of God teaches us something. 
Now, a lot of times whenever we talk about grace, oftentimes in the religious world it's used as permissiveness to sin, when in fact, when the true doctrine of God's grace is understood, it doesn't teach permissiveness, actually it has a restraining effect on us. It has a restraining effect, and we hope maybe to demonstrate throughout the week the ways that the grace of God gives a, has a restraining effect on our life insofar as living in this world. The word teach that Paul uses here is not teach in the sense of I'm just going to get up and give you some information. But it actually comes from the Greek which literally means to train up a child, to educate or to discipline. So those of us are parents, is, is teaching your children just a matter of giving them good information? <laughs> oh no, that don't work. Because you can give them good information, you can tell them what they need to do and what they shouldn't do, but coupled with that information is discipline. It's discipline. And you know, I, I, I hear people, and when, you, and when you see bad things happen in the world, you know, a lot of the different things that have been going on in the world, invariably somebody's going to go on TV and say, well, what we need to do is educate people better. Educate people better. If we'd educate people better, people wouldn't do drugs. If we'd educate people better, people wouldn't shoot each other. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of education to figure out we don't need to do drugs and we don't need to shoot people. I would offer to you that our problem is not so much education in the sense of telling people what they need to know, but it's the discipline of life to not do those things. That there is a restraining, uh, there is a restraining power within our life. And I think that whenever we look to the scriptures, we can understand that that restraining power is the grace of God. That whenever a person acknowledges the God of heaven, that whenever a person acknowledges a world beyond this world, and ascribes to the grace that comes from that God in heaven to this world below, Coupled with that grace in our life and the revelation of truth that's given to us in the Scriptures, that's what's going to solve our problems. Not just sending our kids off to the public schools and then we come up with some new fancy program where we've got a dancing bear going around telling kids don't do bad things. (laughs) That's not going to solve it. What's going to solve it are parents teaching their kids about God, first of all. And in the context of that relationship with God, teaching them how they ought to live. And so, let's understand that whenever we're talking about grace, we're talking about that grace teaches us. It brings about a discipline in our life. Well, let's look and see what this grace teaches us. First of all, this grace teaches us to deny something. To deny. To deny means to contradict something. In other words, this world is going to teach us things, and this world is going to advance upon us, And what we're going to have to do, first of all, is say no to the world. Say no to the world. That's the first step in living in this present world, is saying no to the world. But a lot of times as Christians, we have a difficult time saying no to the world. We try to live righteous and we try to live godly and then we fail and we can't figure out why we're failing. And the reason that we're failing is, is because the very first thing that we have to do is say no and disavow the world with its messages and its lies and its deceptions. And so whenever we look at our life and we look at this present world, we understand world is against us, so the very first thing that we have to do is say no. Say no. Now, is saying no all there is to it? No, that's not all there is to it. But that's the place 
where we begin. And so Paul tells us what we are to contradict, what we are to reject, what we are to say no to. And the first thing is, is ungodliness. You know, there are some terms in the Bible that you just hear over and over again and you, and you think you know what they mean. But then whenever you stop to really think about it, do I really know what it means to be godly or ungodly? I know it's got something to do with God. But what does it mean to be ungodly? To be ungodly means to have impiety directed against what should be held sacred. In other words, I'm not going to hold the things of God sacred. And I'm not going to hold God sacred. Think about it for just a moment. We're living in a world that's against us. We're living in a world that wants to ruin us. So one of the things that the world tries to do is to keep us from respecting and regarding that being that's outside of this world that can give us direction on how to live in this world. So if I'm living in this world and the world does, wants to destroy me, then the first thing that the world is going to try to do is to keep me from having a connection with that which is outside of this world that can give me what I need to be victorious in this world. And that's what ungodliness is. Ungodliness is impiety. In other words, I'm not recognizing the sacred. I'm not recognizing the sovereign. I'm not going to recognize God and godly things. Look at our culture again today. How that, again, the, the thing, we want to take God out of everything. Well, there's a reason behind that. Because if you can remove God, the only source of hope for man living in this world, world wins. World wins. And so the world then is going to bombard us with messages and influence that's going to try to chip away at our regard and our respect and our reverence for God. And Paul says the first thing that we need to do is say no to that. Say no to that. To reject all of the messages, to reject all of the influences that are going to take away from our understanding and our appreciation of the things that are sacred. In other words, they want us to look at things as things only have value if the world values them. That God gives value to nothing in this world. That's why you see people's lives becoming cheap, cheaper more and more every day. Because the sacred that gives value and sanctity to life is being, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. So that's why we can kill little babies. That's why we can kill old people. That's why we can do the things that we do because our value and our approach to things are not guided by the God of heaven who's outside of this world. It's just simply guided by the rudiments and the principles of this world which we know are what? Against us. Trying to ruin us. So the first thing that we have to do is in our life be sensitive to the messages and be sensitive to the influences that chip away of our regard for the sacred. Turn on your TV. Watch a few shows at how people are mocking God, scoffing at the idea of God. I was watching the other day and just saw a commercial of a show that's coming on called M. Pastor about a man that's a pastor that doesn't believe in God. 
I'm, I'm sure that's going to be some kind of show. It's going to be a hoot to watch. But what you're seeing there is, is a message that seeks to defame that which is sacred. And just make a joke out of religion. Why is that? Why does the world want to make a joke out of religion? Why does the world want to make a joke out of God and seeking God? Because it's only God that can rescue us and deliver us from this world. Be sensitive to the messages and the influences that are around us that take away from our reverence for that which is sacred. Because that which is sacred is the only hope that you have and the only hope that I have. Well, we should say no to ungodliness and we should say no to worldly lust. Lust is simply a longing, especially for what is forbidden. (laughs) There's a lot of things in this world that we want that we can't have. And we got to say no. You got to say no. I mean, there's not a whole lot of comment that you can make on that. That's one of those proverbial, that's pretty well self explanatory. You just got to say no. You can't rationalize with it. You can't compromise with it. But rather, there has to be a definite conviction and a definite stand against the forbidden things of this life. And one of the ways that we develop that conviction for the forbidden things against the forbidden things of this life is by our reverence to God, our godliness. Let me show you how these work together. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4... Verses 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Notice the next verse. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Okay? They don't know God, so they're ungodly. And what does that ungodliness lead to? The lust of concupiscence. They gave themselves over to forbidden desires. Well, why did they give themselves over to forbidden desires? Because they were ungodly. They had no regard for the sacred. And where there's no regard for the sacred, there's no discipline within the life to say no to those things. And so here we see an illustration that the Apostle Paul uses where he shows how that the two things that he tells us in Titus chapter 2 to say no to occurred in the lives of the Gentiles. Look again, Ephesians chapter 4 verses 17 and 19. This I say therefore in testifying the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, notice this, being alienated from the life of God. They're alienated from the life of God. They're separated from the life of God. There's your ungodliness. Through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have, okay, they're alienated from the life of God, what happens? They give themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Ungodliness and worldly lust. Without a regard for the sacred. Without a regard for God. There is no discipline or restraining power in our life and then we just give ourselves over to the lust of the world. And so to live in this present world, the first thing that we're obligated to do, the first thing that we have to do is say no to those things. And if we can't say no to those things, then we'll find ourselves mired in the misery and the soul-defeating, the soul-defeating purposes and plans of this world. Think about your regard for God. Think about messages. Think about how you esteem God. 
Think about your lifestyle. Think about the worldly lust. Does your regard for God allow you to take a definite stand against the lust of this world? Or are you kind of fuzzy in the dark about God and therefore you can find it within yourself maybe to compromise over here about things that are wrong and evil? You see, the closer we get to God, the greater evil appears. The more we cling to God, the more we desire to depart from evil. As the Apostle Paul says, to abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. How do we have those two attitudes, abhorring and cleaving? By our godliness and our regard for the Lord. So, say no to ungodliness and say no to worldly lust. Next, the apostle continues, okay? We say no, we say no. Now, here's how you are to live. We are to live soberly. Again, sober is one of those words that we need to look at and think about for just a moment. There's several different uh, Greek renderings for the word sober in the Scriptures. The word sober that's used here means with a sound mind, prudently and discreetly. Now here he's characterizing the way that we should live. With a sound mind, prudently and discreetly. Well, what does prudent and discreet mean? To be prudent means to act with or showing care and thought for the future. To be discreet means to be careful and circumspect in one's speech or actions. And the word that I would point out in each of those definitions is the word care. Taking great care in how we live. Now think about it for just a moment. If we reside in an environment that's against us, if we reside in an environment where there are dangers that threaten our soul, if we're living in an environment that seeks to bring ruin and decay in our life, don't we want to be careful about how we live? Don't we want to be careful about the influences that this world brings to bear on our souls? And you see, that's the thing about sobriety. In order to really appreciate its necessity, we have